and welcome back to another episode of Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. And me, Alex. How's it going, guys? The podcasting equivalent of an incredibly sweaty back after cycling through the sweaty, sweltering heat of London with a rucksack on. Yep, that that would describe the last couple of days. I mean, it's like a it's like a it's like a it's like a sh- a wet chamois leather I, when you yeah, take it it's off. It's horrible. Minging. I yeah. hate this weather so much. I'm I know I'm preaching. Do you? I, well, maybe I'm not preaching to the choir. I don't I don't think Scots in general are designed for plus thirty degrees heat. <laughs> I just don't think I just don't think we are, or not this kind of heat. Because I step outside and I can't breathe, and I'm like, people enjoy this. People go outside and just exist in this, and they go, "Oh, look at the weather! It's stunning!" And I'm like, "No, what is wrong this, with you?" <laughs> this week on the show, we will be looking into two very different movies. Uh, we have 1991's Steven Spielberg classic Hook. Yeah. And over to you with Whiplash. What year was Whiplash? 2017? 2014, if you can believe it. Jesus, 2014. My God. 2014s. And again, was the, who was the director for that? Was it Soderbergh, was it? No, no, no. That was Damien Chazelle. Nice. Fantastic. So Damien Chazelle's obviously. And so, uh, but yeah, before we go any further, you brought to the, my attention that you are struggling with the heat. I am. And... Uh, I have, like I say, I've been cycling a little bit around London. I did a nice, some nice cycles, and I've realised that even after a half an hour cycle, I am now sunburnt. Sunburnt? Have you been sunburnt. putting cream on? Uh, I haven't, no. Well, and there's your problem. Of, I saw a photo of myself recently, and you could see through my legs. They were that pale. I, I am I can believe so it. pale, it is un... But, like, it's almost the point where I'm like, I need to do something about this. So this weekend, I mean, assuming that the thunderstorms are probably going to come as soon as I actually try and action this and do something. But this weekend, I want to um, put in place some sort of session, put aside where I go to a, a nice piece of um, a nice outdoor area and actually just lie there, you know, with very little on and just and just get a nice get a nice bronze. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that, Alex? I mean, I think it's not. It's not the worst idea in the world. Don't, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just you give can't... you a little sample of what you're going to look at. Okay, so just um, if you just stay there, I'm just going to take right. these off. So what would you? How would you imagine this? Right, were you just dressed like that? Oh my goodness! What about that? Wow! What, what have I got that out on the grass? Oh, I mean, <laughs> you blind, you around? blind some you people. See that? Look at this over here. You blind people. Hang on. What about that? If I got that? Oh, out? oh my goodness gracious me! <laughs> This is kidding. a family show. <laughs> what, 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 what about him? What have I got that out? Is what... <laughs> Sit on the grass with that up in the air. That oh looking out. Oh my goodness. Great. What, <laughs> what do you think this view. is? Week two of the lockdown? <laughs> do, you know, exactly. do you know we were seeing that? Did, did you read any of those like sun articles? Oh, the sun article. The, the yes, sun, the reading. sun, the sun article. I mean, there were pictures to back it up, but only the sun would publish it. Like you know, you had oh. week two, week three of the lockdown, and there were <laughs> people, were the count, there were yeah. people shagging in the parks. Oh, love it! <laughs> and you just, you know, I don't don't know whether to be disgusted or applaud, frankly. <laughs> Or turned on. Yeah, one of the parks. One of the parks. Not genuinely. One of the parks was Green Park. 
Oh, and you're like, you can get away with can... doing that in Green Park in the middle of the day. That, uh, send me over that list of parks just uh, just for curiosity. Just for curiosity. For, for <laughs> local central <laughs> hey, London this, dogging hey, hey, spots. Alex, Alex, do you reckon the sun would po- publish this? <laughs> More like the moon. Am I right? <laughs> you're uh, not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. Oh, uh, bum. <laughs> good, good, good wholesome banter, this. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Top quality right, I'm content. I'm going to put my clothes back on. Okay, thanks. And, yeah. uh, you do the next little bit. Put your tank top back on. <laughs> yeah, we're a movie and music podcast, apparently. Or we were last time I checked. I think maybe I missed a message this week that meant we were talking about suntans or lack thereof. Are, are we still a movie and movies podcast? No! <laughs> no! Let <laughs> me get this. I forgot I'm on webcam. I actually saw it. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> you didn't see nothing, kid. Oh my days. It's gone so bad already. Oh god. Okay. Okay. Oh. We are music. Yeah, we've done that bit. I've totally lost my own stride. I put myself off. <laughs> Okay. You're so preoccupied with. Yes, I know, and it's gonna be such a weird segue where I take this into hook. <laughs> the family film. Oh, my phone's going and everything. Right. Oh, oh goodness. Okay, let's get let's get started. Come on, serious face on right. for this shoddy piece of shit that we do every week. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> Okay, first up, I am going to be bringing, as I said, 1991's, um, I don't want to use the word cult, I'll say family classic, because I want to use, I've got three points I'm going to make up top, and I'm going to throw them at you, okay? Chuck them, But 1991's childhood classic, Steven Spielberg, and you've got the man, you've got it here, this is my first time bringing him to the podcast. Welcome, my friend, Mr. John Williams, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, there he is there. There you go. Yeah, John in, Williams. In is this, Take a seat. Is this your first uh, John Williams movie that you've brought to the podcast? That's it. What episode That's is this? It. Nice to see you, John. That's it. Pop your clothes on the stool over there. Get comfortable. We all are. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> no, seriously, though, what episode of podcast is this and you've not brought a Williams? I brought... <laughs> I'm great. I'm really childish right now. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. Have you had a wee um, baby? No, th- this, no I've not. I've, I've just. I've been. I'm high on um, uh, on endorphins from cycling. No, uh, this is episode. Good question. We. Uh, do you know the, the the single source of the truth is actually Apple Music. It is you? actually uh, Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. You, I'm just op- I'm, I'm, I'm opening it now. Twenty five. This is. Wow. There we go. Twenty five. Doing well. Should we Should we celebrate in some way? Yeah. Quar- no, because, because because there's special episodes and stuff we've got in there, so it's probably twenty five full. Yeah. Ah, oh, goodness. Ah, oh, if I'd known, I would have had a wee beer. Yeah, me too. I've got yeah. got some nice craft beers in the fridge. Should we should we pause this and go and s- should we pause this and get a beer? To yeah, why don't we have a beer? It's been a while okay, since we ever had a beer with the podcast. Let's have a bloody beer. Let's, let's have that. a bloody beer. Let's do that. Okay. Well, why don't why don't you go away and talk? Uh, talk. Why don't you go away and get a beer, and I'll stay here and talk, and I'll stay here and entertain everyone. Okay. And I then, just when, have a, and then I just, when you come back, I, just, you I do have talk. a question though. Out of the eight minutes that we've reco- that we've recorded so far, how much of this yeah. do you actually think is useful? Is usable material? 
and like do we just do we just like draw a line under this go get a beer and try again no we're not gonna start again oh, right, okay that was funny funny because i can <laughs> see you <laughs> i know but that's the joke oh that's is it humor. right okay i'm that's gonna get a beer humor. i'm gonna go get a beer go and get a beer okay i'm not gonna pause this i'm just gonna keep this running whilst you go and get a beer as Alex, thoroughly prepared as always, uh, came with all the tools that he needed to uh, run an effective podcast with his best chum. Off to go and get a beer. Knowing Alex, he's probably going to get something that's uh, probably quite mainstream or probably quite um, something that you could probably find in a gutter somewhere, some sort of drainage system, I would imagine. Um, I mean, Alex is the sort of chap, no, no doubt, that he'll uh, he'll he'll announce that he's bringing a brand new craft beer to the party, only to rock up hours later than he should have arrived with uh, potentially some sort of Budweiser or some sort of uh, Miller Lite. Oh, here he comes again. I wonder what he has brought to the table. Oh. Ah, it's a Corona. Fabulous. Sorry, I was just talking about you behind your back. Why you? We? What did you bring? What did you bring? I brought a... Session Pale Ale. Ah, nice. Yes. Very good. So what's funny is I'm going to... You wouldn't have heard what I've just been uh, riffing with about Earl Grey tea and lemon zest. Mm. Oh, stop it. Yeah, stop I'm it, a old, fan old of a fruity beer casting. nowadays. Right, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go and get one now. So I've been... I've been thoroughly talking about you behind your back. Look at you, Nick. Mm. Finishing a Coke before you go to a beer. Well, I'm not going to leave what half a Coke. What are you? Oh, goodness. Headphones it's a party off. in that room. Aye, just me, myself, and my coke. There's a stripper waiting at the front door. <laughs> you better let her in. Nah, she, I get a she, just, she just left. <laughs> oh ho ho! What do we have here? What's he brought? Ooh. I've went. I've went true. I've got myself a wee a wee brew dog. Yeah. And there's there's me giving you shit for not having a a true brew. A true, exactly. A nice, a nice true brew. I enjoyed that. Uh, I, I enjoyed that click. Should I um? Should I, uh, I click also? Let's do that. All right. Oh. oh. My goodness gracious me. There we are. My, my. I think that was probably a bit loud. <laughs> if anything, a bit too loud. A bit too loud. Apologies, <laughs> listeners. But, you know, rather refreshing, <laughs> this beverage. So as I say, this is the first time that I'm bringing a John Williams uh, score to the podcast. And I chose this one very deliberately because... This is the John Williams score that you had to tell me was a John Williams score. Growing up, I watched this movie umpteen times, and I have such fond memories of listening to this um, this score. Uh, almost, uh, it's one of these 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 films where, as as you pointed out a few episodes ago, with with John Williams scores, when you listen back to it, you can see the film. Yeah, you can see what's happening. Yeah, and it totally clicked in my head when you used to do that really annoying thing where you played a game where you you gave a film score and you sort of went, what film is this from? Yeah. And I'll never forget this one because it just completely threw me off. I love that game. This, it, I'm really good uh, at it. Exactly. Well, you're really good at reading it. Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's, no, no, that's the point. I love this game. I'm really good at it, but I never play it because I'm the only one that ever instigates it. <laughs> I was have fun with you and your own in that room a bit. Yeah, exactly. So the first couple of points, so the, I said I'm going to start with three major points. Yeah. So three points that I wanted to bring to this, right, okay? Yeah. And they're very small because I made a lot of notes. <laughs> Honestly, My look at goodness. it. goodness. It looks like a like a tattooist's arm, this notepad. That's, that's illegible, that. So the first 
note I have. Oh, in fact, it's not three points, it's two points. <laughs> oh, selling the list <laughs> so is even quicker. Short. Oh, my God. Exactly. Well, I was trying to think of another point on that ad hoc from the, the first two. So the first point I have was you had to watch this movie when you were young. Rewatching this movie, it's. I was watching it and going, the only reason I just love this movie is because I watched it when I was young and it really yep. captured me when I was a young yeah. kid. I don't think if, as an adult, watching all Steven Spielberg movies, you can watch them at any age, but I think this one. And obviously, like, at the front of my mind, there's that very famous phrase or quote. I don't think it's an actual quote. That This is Steven Spielberg. He says this is his worst film. Yeah, this is, a, this is the worst film, as far as he's concerned, that he's made. And you do watch it as an adult, and you go, oh, I love this movie so much, but I can see why you might think that. Yeah, I, I, I can see but why you But then you, you remember that, that he's said that after he made Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And then you think, well, no, Stephen, you don't know what you're on about. <laughs> exactly. Well, and actually, it's interesting because obviously 91, let's assume, given benefit of the doubt that he said that in 92, his film roster up until then, you know, was just classics. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there's a, there's, a, there's a bigger argument to be said that maybe his more recent films have gone downhill slightly yeah. in terms of quality and stuff. But that's that's not for this. The other thing the to second consider... Point, the, oh, sorry. Here we bloody go. Yeah. No, yeah. no. Here, here we bloody go. Am I not allowed to talk on this podcast either? Negative, actually. Mate, have you seen the long length of this list? Okay, you've got one you're gonna have to cut. You're, you're going to have to cut your darlings, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid. It. But Ooh, is, it, is it worth suggesting, maybe, that like Star Wars, maybe the special sauce of this movie... Is one Robin Williams and two oh. and two John Williams? Do you think that jo the quality of the score in this elevates the movie to like new levels of quality? Because that's what it yeah. did for Star Wars. Because honestly, if yeah, you sat yeah, down yeah, and yeah. thought about how ridiculous Star Wars would be without John Williams, oh yeah, if, if you watched it without music completely. But yeah. no, um, to, to back to Hook, I think yes, but there's another element of this of this that I think there's special sauce. And I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Cool. But the second point I have is this is the most romantic, non-romantic movie I think I've ever watched. Mm. All of them are just, there's so many love strains. They all love yeah. him so much, whether it's his wife that loves him or obviously Peter and Wendy, because obviously this is following on from Peter Pan, yep. where it was a kind of young love story between Wendy yep. and Peter. Wendy, and Moira, Tinkerbell. Wet Tinkerbell, and there's bit, but it's kind of, you know, it's like one big orgy, really. They all just love Peter, don't they? Yes, I, I do love dropping that, dro dropping the orgy <laughs> word when talking about family friendly the movies. But it is, but it's kind of like, or obviously that's a uh, <laughs> over exaggeration. But it is. I couldn't help watching this and going. But even just in terms of just, they just love each other. Even Hook, he, it's almost a romanticism he feels for Pam. Yeah, and this, and this, this, the Great War. And Smee, and they're all very intimate with each other. They Have you are, noticed yeah. that? It's like they're Everyone's all aware. It's like they're all aware that they're in a children's story and that actually yeah. all of their good guy, bad guy relationships is all really just pantomime. And it, it is, doesn't and it's actually. So... And it doesn't, it's not actually real. Like, you, you know, you see Dustin Hoffman as Hook. And by the way, I can't tell you how many times I watched Hook before I realized that that was actually Dustin Hoffman. Right, right. And I've not met anyone who's said that they knew it was Dustin Hoffman first time. 
I know it's great. It's great. Um, so, but but that's a really great strand you have, and I've wrote that a couple of times. So obviously, we start with the pantomime on screen where you're watching, um, the 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 pantomime or the show of Snow, uh, not Snow White, but Peter Pan. <laughs> Snow White. Uh, I know, right? You're watching Snow White, and then Bloody Cinderella have, over here. But but also when you have when you when you introduce Neverland, it's interesting because at no point. Do I think that they're real pirates? Or at no point do I think that's a real pirate ship. Like it's it's just so clearly a movie set. Yeah. And I can't help think that that was a deliberate decision to be made. Yeah. Because it 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 kind of enforces that just romanticism of them all being in the role. Like this is a story that's kind of not really told. And uh, on the whole story thing, I love the fact that um, Mr. Barry was the neighbor. Like yeah. Um, I, I love the, the, that inclusion. The, the kind of explanation that they concocted over yes. where if if the stories were true in modern yeah. times, obviously it's not modern times anymore because we're talking about the nineties. But yes. you know, it, the, this could have this movie could have also been made conceptually in twenty twenty as well. Like, oh, totally. like it could like it could have done. And the backstory that they concocted to explain it all is really is really good i really really like oh, it's it. really good it's really tight as well and it works yeah. and obviously at the start you're like how does peter not remember his childhood but obviously they, they explain it in such a fantastic they do way. it in a they, they they explain it in a fantastical kind of romantic way mm. the, the fact that the place doesn't let you grow up and then if you do you end up forgetting about it <laughs> so just some starts one bit of music that i didn't like in this movie was that first part the baseball uh intro sequence where it's kind of like a piano horrible it's like some sort of 80s 90s like harassment in the workplace yeah yeah it's don't very let it catch much a, you out. it's very much a piece of its time but i'll tell and you I why i like that, that the, one i like you know this the cell phone when they draw the yeah, cell yeah, phones yeah. oh i was like oh but you're supposed i think you're supposed to feel a little bit sick at all that bit mm -hmm. at all that and it is very much stylized of the time like mm. i think you start watching this movie and unless you know what you're watching then you would mm. be forgiven for thinking this is a late 80s rom-com mm. do you not think mm. yeah 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 totally totally um so then we obviously start we have the visit to london peter didn't close the door by the way funny funny point of that he just walked into that house didn't close the door yeah. animal um but that magical moment where we see wendy on the stairs with with maggie smith yeah and, and i think she's not aged the... a day well but no but they aged her up for no, that obviously. i know that was, that was the joke. <laughs> see see after she reached 150 years old she hasn't aged a day <laughs> But do you know the funny? Do you know the funny thing about it is how accurate the the aging up of Maggie I know, Smith right? looks in that. No, I said I, this to I said this when um we, we were watching it. I said they they aged her up with latex and aging makeup and things like that, but she looks exactly like she does now. Now, yeah, it's crazy. It's, they did a great job. Um, a couple of questions for you. So when they're at that dinner function piece where obviously they're donating some money for Great Ormond Street Hospital, which I yep. thought was a nice little local reference to us, and all the, 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 the orphans stood up. Yeah. Were they, were they lost boys, do you think? No, not lost boys. Just orphans. Are you sure? Just orphans? Okay. I believe. 
Mm, okay. Um, I also find it so funny that scene where Peter's tucking his kids in. He's an animal. Like, he just sh he's just like, he's so ruthless. And I actually think that this is not, whilst I love Robin Williams in this role, I don't think this is his best role. I do think he's, I prefer him in Mrs. Doubtfire. I think he's a lot. Yeah. That's definitely my favorite Robin Williams role. And I think this is a close behind. Yeah. But Doubt, him and Doubtfire, corporate Peter. And Jumanji for me. Jumanji. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's the order. <laughs> I was going to say yeah. the same one as well. It's funny. <laughs> I just like, just that bit when he's, when, when, uh, when, when, uh, She's smelling the flower as he's tucking his daughter into bed, man into bed. And she goes, oh, Toodles made this for me. It smells nice. And he just, it's paper. Yeah. <laughs> it's just paper. It's just that, that brutal. I know it and is, he, but like, it hammers home the fact that, that he's... believable. He, he, it, hammer ho it hammers home that he doesn't want to think about the fantastical and about the adventures and mm. things like that. It just his psyche won't, won't let him be imaginative anymore mm. to, you, you, to mm. leave peter pan behind and i think that's really oh, we'll really there. interesting we'll get there um i'm gonna now talk about three and we talked about one of them obviously so the four you said the special sauce um john williams and obviously robin williams being peter pan in this mm -hmm. um they were the two elements but i want to talk about the third element as a conglomerate in terms of the casting because as we saw, talked about before maggie smith was exceptional as wendy yeah but the cast, and we and we also then talked about Dustin Hoffman. But Dustin Hoffman, um, Bob Hoskins, yeah, classic, and Ju and Julia Roberts, yeah, are amazing. They are, aren't they? They're so good at their parts. What because a cast they are, this movie has! They are, it's incredible. Gwyneth Paltrow, Gwyneth Paltrow's in it. she's in this as well. And and fun little uh, inclusion: uh, the the Boo Boo Box. Who is the pirate that's placed in the boo-boo box? Oh, I know this one. Mm. I know this one. Glenn Close. That's the Thank one. Thank you. Yeah, Glenn Close. Thank you. <laughs> but it's it's the the everyone is even the kid actors are incredible. They are so like good. Like the the charisma, the charisma that it, it's like thudbutt. You know the, the the wee the wee fat um, the wee fat lad with the with the Scottish hat. I love his hat. <laughs> the poppy but, hat. Yeah. Oh, the Bobby Hat and yeah. Rufio. Yeah, Rufio. And my and my personal favorite, I think, apart from that, is Pockets, the wee boy that squeezes his his, his face yeah. and realizes That's such oh, a lovely we're gonna, scene. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. I just want to start then with Julia Roberts. I had a huge crush on her watching this growing up, and I still do. She is just perfect as Tinkerbell. Yeah. Oh, she just looks great. She really suits her short hair. <laughs> Oh, oh like hair. It. Oh, I thought you were going to say short something else, whatever. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, too. It's more, I know exactly but, what you mean. <laughs> but it's also, like, back to the whole romantic things. Like, obviously, you know, Tinkerbell's, you know, infatuated by Peter. They, also, the, the mermaids kiss him. They don't. They could have just brought an oxygen tank. They don't have to keep I, them there. Yeah, like, to be fair, I, <laughs> I, I think I read in one of the Peter Pan stories that there is a cave full of oxygen tanks just <laughs> sitting around the bend. Uh, Bob Oskins, my God, he is just himself in this. He's so good yeah, yeah, as yeah. me. He's just, he's, he just moves the story along perfectly. His little quips, and obviously, as we say, Dustin Hoffman just captures that hook element. The two, of them one are of my favorite together. scenes in the whole movie is those two, and it's when Hook decides that he's gonna commit suicide. I've made so many notes and on that. Let's talk about that so, now. It's so good because Smee's just like, oh, not again. 
<laughs> his exact quote i wrote it down i'll do it, do it. i wrote i wrote it down because it was so funny it's a suicide it goes um, are you being dramatic <laughs> Uh, are you gonna? Oh, are you gonna be dramatic again? Yeah. And it's just funny that this is the idea. But actually, like taking that scene seriously and that whole quote of "death is the only adventure." Yeah. It's quite, it's quite amazing when you think about how they were able to portray that character. And he's quite, you know, he's he's just he's just so hung up on he wants that final victory. He wants yeah. his revenge, and it draws him to suicide. And obviously, they make a joke about it. But watching it as an adult, you're like. Wow, this is really quite like a deep scene, but they they cover it in such a good yeah, way. Yeah, but then like, they, they, the they, credit they for the, the credit for that has has to go to J M Barry though, because that was a real that was a real theme in the books. The fact that Peter Pan and everyone in Neverland couldn't grow up. So you know, how many adventures do you have before you get tapped out? Before yeah. you go back to the real world and grow up with the eventual mm. eventuality of that being mm. you die like that's what you're mm. going back to do in the long run and you know the the thought of that as a theme is really quite terrifying and really makes you think and i think for a children's book and for all the movies that have come it's, it's not really delved on in the disney animation but certainly in hook it is and yeah it's very important and really interesting stuff no, I I absolutely loved it. Um, just before we get on to some of the music, I touched briefly on that scene with. I know this kind of introduces the music because this has the um, that kind of lo- the the Lost Boys um, piece of music, that beautiful woodwind. It's it's a flute, isn't it, that plays that um, s- that slow piece of music, that mystical piece of music, isn't it? I'm, yeah, or pan pipe. Is it a piccolo. Pa- is it pan? Is it, I didn't know if it was pan pipes. I thought pan pipes would be a little bit more. Um, I'm not gonna. Guess, I'm like, not. Rustic. I'm not gonna double down on them being panpipes, but yeah. they might be panpipes. They might be panpipes, or they maybe maybe they're steel panpipes, or do panpipes have to be made of bamboo? No, you can get steel panpipes. Okay, cool. So yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll settle on steel panpipes. Okay, that's the compromise. The <laughs> um, but that scene, oh, I, I won't. I won't lie, mate. I was slightly tearing up at that scene. Yeah. The oh, there you are, Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just. And I think it's, it's Robin Williams' oh. face that does it as well. Because I know the kid was like stretching it out and stuff, but you can't get all that unless you have a really expressive face. And he was definitely helping him out there. Oh, the wee boy's wee face when he goes, there you are, Peter. Oh my goodness. It It just, it gets gets you. It really caught me. It caught me. I was like, oh, that's so lovely. And for a long time, for the longest time, I thought that wee boy was blind. For what? some reason, I thought he was blind. Yeah, for really? some reason, I thought he was feeling the face and he was feeling the curves oh, in the face. Oh, that's interesting. And growing up, I always thought that was it. But obviously, he's molding the face into, you know, getting away all his wrinkles and stuff. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the themes. So we have the banquet. Now, the banquet. Now, obviously, we've talked John Barry. John Barry is known for some incredible scores. Do you mean John Williams? John Williams. Oh, my goodness. John, John Barry. Barry. <laughs> You've got you've put Jay and Barry in my head, but John Williams has put uh, has has laid down some incredible scores over the years. But I believe this was the precursor to Diagon Alley and the theme oh. used in the Philosopher's Stone. And I think if you compare them side by side, they're very similar sounds. Yeah. And the Great Hall theme from again from yeah, I from, can the, hear it. from the first couple of yeah, can, from can, the first couple of Harry Potter. I can definitely hear it. And what I, I love again that scene. 
where him and Rufio are going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, and he flicks the food. He flicks an empty spoon, and then it hits the kind of the green goo hits him in the face. Yeah. But when Pockets and the other wee boy look at him and they go, "You're doing it, Peter!" Oh my god, it's like, beautiful, I mean, it's, it's isn't it? It's just so magical, just that. And it takes the, your the, breath the literal, away because oh, when the camera so then pans lovely. to see the rest of the food, it's so the colors are so vibrant amazing. and they're amazing. things that could never exist without imagination and that's totally was totally the point of the exercise and as an audience you share that disbelief with peter mm. and it's brilliant that, that that score should just be called imagination rather than the banquet because yeah. it is the musical that is the musical equivalent of imagination like yeah. a childhood's imagination oh my god you know goodness. my other favorite so thing about lovely. that scene though is when they're doing the insult battle mm. because i think when you were a kid you didn't know half the words that peter was saying but then as an adult you see all the insults that yes. peter are throwing back and they're and, it, and it's quite like pseudo intellectual kind of modern Isn't he day like a, a lawyer or something like that or a corporate what does he call him he calls him well there's one where lines. he goes like oh you don't even have a fourth grade reading level and then he says something else and he goes okay maybe a fifth grade reading reading level <laughs> and, it's like, <laughs> and it's like i don't think i ever got that like when i was a kid and i just i like that extra level the next piece of music that i want to talk about is remembering childhood my, remembering childhood I'll, my favorite track on the whole soundtrack is it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think Pan, you, I think You Are the Pan is my favourite, which okay. is the following track. Yeah, but they, can you forgive me, though? straight after each other. Oh, mate, I can't. And, and I think I know why, because it's interesting. The comparison I made from this piece of music is obviously this is a, in my opinion, this is a more mature version. This piece of music is a more mature version of the Superman flying theme. Yeah. There's a lot of comparisons that they draw, that John Williams has obviously taken from that Superman flying theme yeah. and, and applied here. And... I think that I think it must have been more difficult because it's a more straightforward thing when you create a flying theme for an American hero like Superman. Yeah. Whereas this, you you have to convey so many so many more emotions. It's more personal, isn't it? It's far more personal, and you have to create a flying theme. This is like doing a flying theme on hard mode because you, as you said, it's the personal nature of the story and the scene that has just taken place with the rele the revelation. Yeah. That you know his his he he was separated from his mother and Tinkerbell took him away to Neverland and that and he grew up. Oh, it's a heartbreaking uh, it flashback. It is. It, it is. It I really know when is. he's at the window. And but that flying thing is and and let you know let's let's not beat around the bush. Some of the special effects in this film do not stand up. No, uh, in, in any way, shape, or form. Nowhere near as good as, for example, Jurassic Park. And that I know I keep going about Jurassic Park. It's the best movie ever. Wait, do, but... do you like Jurassic Park, Callum? Are you a fan <laughs> of Jurassic Park? Oh, I tell you what, the game's going well too. <laughs> We've got a lot of game news and moving forward. I can maybe sneak that in. Somewhere. Oh my days. Um, I just want to draw in the the line in the sand piece on the next piece of music, which is "You Are the Pan," yeah. which is obviously what Rufio says to Peter Pan. Rufio is just incredible. "You Are the Pan," and he hands him that iconic golden sword. Yeah, it's a beautiful sword, and isn't it? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Like the, the hilt the, is half a coconut. Oh, it's it's so amazing, but just that it's so epic. It's so epic. "You Are the Pan." I I I firmly believe that that is probably. 
in my top five, maybe top three John Williams tracks of all time. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a claim. Uh-huh, I think it is. I mean, that's up there with Binary. That's up there with Laius. I mean, that is up there, uh, as far as I'm concerned. It's probably one of my favorite. And again, it's because of the nostalgia that that film brings yeah. and that specific piece of music. It is That piece of music is is the heart of the special sauce that John Williams yeah. brings to the film Hook. And it, it, it's, don't get me wrong, like it's, it's an amazing scene without, you know, we talked of Star Wars without the music and what it would look like. That scene is still incredible, but it just elevates it. It just yeah. really just brings that deep gravitas. I loved it. Yeah, it's really, really great. The next track I want to talk about is a track called The Ultimate War. Now, The Ultimate War is the kind of, when they're all preparing for that, yeah comedy war sequence which was at the end which i really enjoyed it's madness isn't it um goodness the burp the beer is giving me burp sorry i'm burping into my let it um, out exactly, i'm gonna give better out than in but i found that the, the track the ultimate war was a childish version of the imperial march theme yeah or yeah, the, yeah, yeah. or the clone or the clone theme some of the other things that i like about the ultimate war i think the choreography for the for the fight sequence and the sword sequence is great if you watch it back between Dustin Hoffman, I mean, I don't think it's totally Dustin Hoffman, but Dustin Dustin Hoffman and, and Robin Williams, right? You know, it is Robin Williams that's doing it. Yeah. He, he looks really good. Yeah. Like they, they look really good. Like they look really competent as swordsmen. It's not kind of like a comedy. I like that. And the whole they just nailed the character of Hook in that whole end yeah. sequence, which I love. Um, a couple more points that I have. I think that quote is beautiful the whole when tinkerbell leaves and she says the place between asleep and awake that's where i'll be waiting oh yeah that I really captures the imagination line. yeah doesn't it? it does i think it's a beautiful because obviously it's 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 so it's so vivid like you know that everyone knows that feel i just love that yeah um i've got some sporadic notes all over and i don't know quite these are my finishing ones right so uh, in no particular order these end notes i put jack looks like a young richard hammond if you watch back. <laughs> oh, you've ruined it. You've <laughs> there you ruined go. Ruined this that for one. me. Nice. Um, this, I think, is the yin to the yang of Home Alone and the Home Alone theme. I think this, the most... I, I've obviously said there's like the banquet theme from Harry Potter and the Imperial theme from Star Wars and, uh, and the Superman theme for the flying theme. But I yeah. think on the whole, this soundtrack is most similar to Home Alone, I think. Home Alone. Yeah, I think yeah, those two, I can see for, for John Williams. Well, yeah, I mean, I've I've been thinking about this for quite a while, and I think that John Williams very much has his eras, and I because I think when you listen to Williams scores of the seventies, there are common audio things, and similarly to the eighties, similarly to the nineties, Hook and Home Alone came out around about the same time yeah a brilliant example of that is actually star wars and harry potter actually when mm-hmm. it, he goes one step further and i'm almost certain it's a copy and paste thing you can search this on youtube anyone that's interested but if you search for chamber of secrets quidditch attack of the clones oh i think you've showed me yeah, this yeah the the music in the Quidditch bit, there's like the Austin and Atto strings like doing really cool rhythms and it sounds very actiony John Williams, but it's identical to something yeah, that's yeah. going on in Attack of the Clones. And it's too similar and for it not to be a copy and paste job. Fair enough. So yeah, make of that make <laughs> of that what you will. 
I think I think what we need to do is we need to create a Venn diagram of every single John Williams piece of music and see where the crossovers are. Yeah, that would be that That'd would be, be a fun or our connections. I think we should. I think we should. That would be something fun that you and I could sit and do when you move into the new flat. Oh yeah, we're bored one night. Let's create that and post it on the group. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, other couple of points. Very last few I have. Um, in fact, this is the last one. I think. Last point I wanted to make was. Uh, and it's a weird one to end on, but the the Skrillex, the DJ, uh, released a, a a track called Bangarang, I think in twenty twelve or twenty eleven. Bangarang, Bangarang, famous uh, for Hook, and it has obviously shout to shout out to all my lost boys, yeah, and Bangarang, which is shouted all the way through at that track. Yeah. Even if you watch the music video, uh, it's Captain Hook, a sort of fat Captain Hook. Uh, driving an ice cream truck and the I have Lost not Boys seen are the music the video for this. I've not watch seen it. Watch the music video. Watch so watch. That's my recommendation to everyone. Watch the music video for Bangarang Skrillex. It's like a modern day sequel to the film Hook. But wow, I got all the way through everything, and that is my report on probably my most. I what are my most favorite? I mean, I, yeah, you're right. Mrs. Doubtfire. I think pips it to the post just for yeah. the, sort of the cultural representations from yeah. that one. But I think probably one of the best childhood films my opinion one of the strongest john williams scores and i would say the second strongest uh robin williams performance it captures um, the imagination it, it captures yeah, yeah it really captures you put it. yourself down steven spielberg you put yourself down but it's one of your strongest films too all in all this is a very firm two thumbs up yeah it's a two thumbs up for me and just my last point about hook as I, was, as I was saying, it does capture the imagination. And I think the example I want to give is back to what you were saying about the flying theme, how it's kind of derivative, but better of the Superman theme. And I think the reason for that is when you're listening to both these themes, you listen to the Superman theme and it's like you're a civilian watching a hero fly about. And I think the hook flying theme, you are flying. And I think that is the difference. Yep. I think that's a really great point. Yeah, I completely agree with you, mate. And yeah, I think we should end it on that. <laughs> that's a beautiful way to finish. I didn't know that was your favourite track as well. I thought You Are The Pan would be your favourite. No, no, Remembering Childhood. fantastic it's that oh hang on i need to get my video back up for you so i can see the face ah there we are it's me hello how's it going it is you i don't know if i would find this as good without the video component i like having a visual conversation as well Sorry, my my sound might my sound might sound a bit different. I've moved from the bedroom through to the lounge to facilitate uh, the moving around. More space, more well, echo. You you say the video element uh, adds to this. However, might I propose that from next week there could be an opportunity where we scratch the video component oh and goodness. we might be in the same room together. Oh, stop! Don't don't tease which me. Which has not happened in months. Don't do that to which me. Which we're allowed don't to do. Don't do that to me. For any, Don't give me false hope. We're, we're allowed to do that for people wondering if we're being naughty. We're going to bubble. Mm-hmm. It's I'm gonna get totally my allowed. Cut. We don't know anyone else here. <laughs>
Right. Shall we, shall we move on with the next movie? Do. Right. So, another fantastic... Can I give you a haircut? Can you give me a haircut? Yeah. No. I'm seeing, I'm seeing how, it, I'm seeing how <laughs> okay, it's going. Cool. Simple as that. No. Oh. No. Anyway, sorry I interrupted you. you just uh, yeah. I want to give you. So I'm gonna cut that here for this week. I decided to bring another quintessential movie about music. So not just good music featured in a movie, although this movie certainly has that. And the movie is 2014's Whiplash, directed by Damien Chazelle. Sorry, I just burped in the middle of saying damien now i'm gonna pull you up for something else you could what's this film called whiplash 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 whip whip no nope, there's an h there what are you what are you saying it like that no i whiplash. know it doesn't matter you, okay do you pronounce your silent p's is it pneumonia what's is it pinonia like no. it's it's whiplash whip you don't say whiplash it's yes whiplash. i do say whiplash because i did say whiplash whip it's whiplash it's not oh what are you saying it like that for it's Whiplash. It's, it's not. It is, though. I spoke to Mr. Whiplash, and he said, Whiplash. It's not. You go, Whiplash. It's Whiplash. It's Whiplash. Well, like why, why, why put the H there? Why not? Why, why isn't Whip just um, W-I-P? Well, I've said this. I've said that. I don't. Words are, words are all made up, but the, not all words. Just because a, a letter's there doesn't mean it's pronounced that way. Not necessarily, but then you have to think, well, why? What do you mean? What, what do you mean? Why, why is the H there? Well, because it's the same with any silent letter. Why is it, like I said, why is a P at the start no, of No, you tell me why that H is there. No, but the burden of proof is not on me to yes, prove it why is. it's there. I'm it's putting it on you. I'm putting it on you. <laughs> it's not, I didn't make up the words. The burden of proof should not. Oh, Jesus. So what, that, what, why do I have to defend saying I've done, give up. Just what, talk what, about the No, no, no. Music. No, I'm curious oh, as, as to go. why I'm the wrong one and you're not the wrong one. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that you're the wrong one. I'm saying that you're saying why is the your question to me was uh, tell me why the, the the H is there. Yeah. The burden of proof is not on me to prove why the H is there. Right. I'm saying you're wrong because I just think you're wrong. Right. Okay. Well, I'm not. So deal with it. But <laughs> so 2014's Whiplash. See, I elongated it there for emphasis because I'm just Dying that ball. good. So let's talk about this movie. Yes, are you a fan? A uh, huge fan. I I I say I think movie as the loosest term. This is not as much a movie as a stress pill in it really is, condensed it? form. Now I often think of you when I watch this because you are a music student and I am indeed. the stresses that the stresses that Miles Teller's character goes through in this film. Uh, are nowhere near as comparable to my own experience as an engineering student. Mm -hmm. They are, uh, they are the, the sort of psychological torment, obviously uh, drawn to excessive lengths yeah. through the fabulous J.K. Simmons, but they are only torments in which a true higher educated musical um, uh, or musical or arts um, a student could feel. Yeah. And... I want to ask you the first question before you give me the oh, report. Uh, do you have PTSD when you watch this film? No, not PTSD, because that is intense. I do relate to this movie a lot. And I just want to jump out the gate and say, Music College is not like this movie. Like, it's not. 
Don't let anyone tell you the music college is like this. The shit, what are you going to tell me? The, that it's all sunshine and flowers and cuddles? Come on, man. Give me the real story. What do I look like? A double fucking rainbow to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me the time that someone just burst into tears because they played a wrong note in your orchestra. Come on. I, I have no shame in admitting I have cried in one-to-one violin lessons before. Really? Wow. Several, several times. Um, was it because the music was so beautiful? No, or it's you not. Were just playing it, so terribly. No, it's not. It's because I was. No, on the instances that I got really upset, and I cried. It wasn't because I was underprepared and, I, and I was just playing like shit. That's not why it happened. It, it happened because I was just trying so so hard and when you when you're being taught one-to-one and this is like the the feeling the feelings that are portrayed in this movie are all true that's the point Mm. it's just in an effort to make the audience understand those feelings the teacher and the intensity of jk simmons's character is ramped up to 11 Mm. but the feelings are completely true you know miles teller you know, how many times is this guy demonic to Miles Teller, but how many times does he still go back for seeking seeking approval, seeking valid seeking yeah, validation? It's, it's... And anyone anyone who's not been through that kind of environment must look at the screen and go, Why are you putting up with this? Mm. Why mm. why do you care this much? Mm. why, why would well, you it's... do it why would you do it to yourself? Well, I mean, I, I mean, surely though you're asking these as rhetorical questions, but yeah. Alex, you must have an answer. I mean, that's something that you, I'm sure, could relate to. It is because there is an inherent love for music and for performing music, and you know, putting your voice onto things. And unfortunately, in in the classical and jazz world, especially, you know, there, there, there's a great scene where Miles Teller's family is all around the dinner table. And one of the one of the football jock cousins says, "Oh well, how how can you be how can you be the best at something? How can you win competitions? Isn't it subjective?" And Miles Tell just says, "No, <laughs> just flat yeah. out, no. Of course, it's not subjective. Yeah. There is a yeah. technical achievement to playing these instruments that you can't just that you can in. This is the really difficult thing about certain level certain levels of music because you can sit down and play an instrument and really really enjoy it but at some point you're not going to be able to play certain things Mm. and as music students from a really young age we had this thing inside us that said oh we want to just get better and better and better at this thing until we can do everything that we want to do with Mm. your instrument and with your craft and unfortunately it takes a lot of pain to get there like it really Mm. really does and that's something that this movie again just really hammers home and is really really obvious and apart from everything else jk simmons is bloody entertaining like he won he won best supporting actor for this role and it's not hard to see why no, it's not. I mean, he won. I think he won over forty-seven awards for this movie alone. Yeah, uh, for his performance. Just Jakey In fact, th- th- this movie was the lowest-grossing um, uh, Best Picture Academy 
awards nominee. Yeah, which, I mean, Damien Chazelle must have, been, as well. must have been flying, flying high. Because this is his first yeah. major picture. It started off life as the full screenplay of the movie, but the first outing of it was a 15-minute kind of reduction of it yes. that, still, that still starred J.K. Simmons, but not Miles Teller. It was somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you were going to say something. No, no. It, it, well, and, and then on to that, this film actually, because of that, only took nineteen days to film. The the, the, the whole the whole film of this took nineteen, took 19, 19 days, days to mm-hmm. film. Yeah, but like fourteen hour shooting days, mm. and mm. super super intense. And apparently, J.K. Mm. Simmons was like the loveliest guy in the world between takes. And because a lot of the scenes happen in these really dark <laughs> underground windowless rooms, and you think yeah. it's already claustrophobic with like real musicians who are really tense and like you know you know the scene where the three drummers are like just going at it oh, and their hands yes. are exploding in the sweat, and he's like faster, faster. Yes, yes, yes. So, so, oh. so I mean, those sequences were filmed. How how they were actually filmed is cut wasn't a word used that often on the set they just kept the camera rolling for miles teller until he was physically exhausted throughout a lot of those sequences i mean the blisters he had on his fingers were were ridiculous and i mean he's played the drum since he was 15 well yeah one this is the this is one thing i really wanted to highlight is that for a vast vast majority of what you see and hear it's miles teller playing the drums Mm. which is insane to me What's mm. even more insane is that he's self-taught. Yes. But all the blisters and the blood and stuff like were real to an extent. Real, yeah. I'm yeah. you know, I'm sure that they added a bit more blood. Like, you know, squirted a bit of fake blood onto the drum set and sure. stuff to like to do it. But I think but P- Miles Taylor's hands were bleeding and were blistered. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredible, especially when you see the big drum solo in Caravan at oh, the end, which Caravan, yeah. again, I, I was reading up on this because I was like, it, it couldn't possibly be him because it's so good. It's so, mm. so good. And like, he's an actor and I've seen movies where actors try and play string instruments. And it's one of the most awkward things you ever see on, on film or the guitar yeah. because they just can't, they, they, they can't, one, they can't simulate the movements properly enough to be able to realistically realistically create the sound that comes out of the instruments. And also, more often than not, it's not coordinated. But there were very, very few times I was watching this movie when the drums sounded uncoordinated with what was going on yes, on screen. I and I yep. really, uh-huh. really respect that because a lot yeah. of big films don't take the care. And I And I sit there thinking... With the millions and millions of dollars of budget that you have, surely there's a continuity producer here or somebody who just knows that you line up. Yeah. You 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 line up a note with a note. Yeah. Yeah. And it and really and annoys dr- me with when drums, I see that. With drums, it's even easier. With drums, it's even easier because you kind of got the the, the physical yeah. cue of the hitting of the of the the drum with the stick. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. No, it, could, it could have been it could have been a little bit easier. But apparently, the caravan, the caravan drum solo took three days to film. Good and grief! And they recorded it in small chunks, and it was very expertly cut, edited, edited and cut together. Yeah. And when you watch that scene with that knowledge, you think, my God, well, that editor deserves an Oscar as well. 
Well, and I think so. So when well, he does because I remember before I saw this, it was one of the first. This is one of the first movies that I kind of had spoiled for me in some pseudo oh, way really? via social media. And it's weird to think you could spoil this movie, but the spoiler was someone just put on on uh, Facebook just saw Whiplash last night that final drum solo. And so oh, obviously, obviously I'm watching. I know, I know, but I'm watching this movie going. Oh, there's going to be a final drum solo, and obviously I was blown away by by it. And I think. But in some ways, it was a good spoiler because it got into my head that that was filmed in a one shot and it was a yeah. one take. But that's really interesting that you say that was three different uh, clips or sorry, three days with multiple yeah. clips strung together, which, yeah, I'm looking back at it in my head. I did not know that. How did they manage to do that is is incredible. Actually. It is incredible. And what it's such a satisfying ending to the movie as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he just finishes the drum solo where you're you're sitting there for god knows how many minutes. it's like a four minute drum solo it's like a three or four mm. minute drum solo in a nine minute song i believe mm. Mm. and and it just finishes with this massive big snare hit and it's just like the two eyes of my miles teller and then jk simmons finally giving him the validation that he wanted the whole movie it is. It's and like, then the movie it's like ends permission isn't it it's permission to go yes you are i give you my validation and yeah. you finish it the the, the build-up as well that build-up the, the the slow almost yeah. it's almost was it 50 60 50 beats per minute slow it starts there and then it just gets to what over 200 300 beats per minute it's incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 growth in that piece of music and it's kind of telling the story it's simulating the kind of how it started from nothing and now look where he's got it is. To. well it's interestingly like it's a very good segue because i want to start uh, talk about the start of the film because the start of the film does begin with a black screen and just the sound of snare drums it's mm. it's andrew in the practice room andrew being miles teller's character and it just starts with the loud accelerating snare so an accelerating snare just like at the end in the drum solo in the drum solo and it sets up the tension because it's really loud and overbearing because he's in a okay slight peek behind the curtain here no drummer would ever practice in a room like that <laughs> the boomiest there is the just metal on the on the walls no carpet no curtains acoustically for practice an utter nightmare yeah but it looks cool it looks cool and it sounds tense and overbearing i understand why but i'm just you, you know peek behind the curtain sexy and then obviously there's that great exchange where jk simmons comes in and like yes, yes, says yes, why why do you stop playing and then did i ask you to start playing yeah i asked you why you stopped oh I yeah asked, i love i asked that. you why you stopped playing and your version of an answer was to just start playing <laughs> yeah and then and then he starts playing it and he looks up and he's gone yeah he's just left and then he comes back and he's like whoopsie forgot my jacket <laughs> oh he, well i mean i mean this movie was originally supposed to be a psychological thriller yeah and you can see that i mean that is yeah like that is that just would just play with your psyche wouldn't it, it really is um, it really really is and the movie does a great job of painting like the the intensity of this world beyond andrew and fletcher mm. and so one of the other oscars that this movie won was sound editing and i think one of the great features that they had was they I think they must have stuck mics right up to musicians who were like warming up and opening their cases. Right up where? 
<laughs> yeah. No, but <laughs> yeah, right. you get you get these shots whenever there's a band scene, a band rehearsal scene. There's always in every single instance in this movie there's always a scene where all the musicians are coming in and they put their cases on the chairs and then they you know they flick the buckles and they open their cases and they're warming up reeds and stuff like that and there's a sound for every single one of that every single one of those things that you see on screen and it's and that's all you hear at that that point and it's a really satisfying sound to hear and i can't really put my finger on why like yeah. just no, I, seeing I and hearing all these musicians warming up it's just yeah really nice and through all of this in the first studio band rehearsal andrew is timidly asking the pianist oh sorry could you play a b flat because he's tuning up a strong kit it's like he's tuning up a strong kit can i have, can I have a b flat can we have a b flat and then you know all of a sudden milk the <laughs> I feel like I've got to apologize for saying that word, but it's a quote. Nah, it's in, fuck it. It's in the movie. You've earned it. It's in the, it's in, You've earned it's it. It's in the movie. And I'll probably it's bleep such, it out. It's such a great, it's such a great moment because obviously Andrew's still really timid and shy and he's still, he doesn't know where he fits in with these insanely yeah. talented musicians. And then the band, the band leader, I think it's first trumpet. I think that's how it works. I'm not a jazz musician. I don't know enough about the world. I apologize for that. Mm. But he just, screams at this pianist a phrase that i just said and what that means is basically like come on tune up yeah yeah, that's what that means i've never heard it before we don't use that in the classical world (laughs) you sure you're not gonna go no i don't say i might i might do that next time i have a quartet rehearsal or something (laughs) that i'll just scream at the that's that's a nice way to welcome everyone back out of lockdown (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) um I just want to say, though, I think let's talk, I mean, back to J.K. Simmons, and let's talk about some of the inspirations of this movie yeah. as well and the music behind it and stuff. So, again, I'll, I, what I can bring is the character. So, early in the film, Andrew listens to a CD of Buddy Rich. Yeah. So, Buddy Rich was a drummer of an infamous, um, and he was infamous for his short temper. Yeah. And he would, re- sorry, there's a helicopter drummer? flying no. over outside. <laughs> so excuse that the, the waka 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 of the helicopter um but he would reg the buddy rich would regularly uh, berate and verbally abuse his bandmates for what yeah. he considered inferior musicianship uh this foreshadows fletcher's abuse and treatment of his students yeah so you know i think the type of personality that fletcher embodies is someone that you know as i said whilst there's probably similarities to engineering lectures that only expect perfection from people, I think it's, I think it's most romantically uh, an art student professor, yeah. and obviously we see a, a musician. Yeah, definitely. It was all, his character was also very loosely inspired by Damien Chazelle's own experience in a very intense, competitive high school jazz band. Mm. And the band leader for that he created a very very toxic intense atmosphere as well very very competitive as well you know this is one aspect of professional music making that i really don't like is the competitiveness of it this this idea that Mm. you have to be empirically the best because there is an aspect of music is subjective and you have to put your own stamp on it as well but you lose sight of that sometimes in your Mm. strive to be the best but i i um i i've uh, a strong recommendation for i'm sorry there's so many chinooks flying over london right now 
<laughs> it's quite amazing watching all of them. Um, I've got a, quite a strong recommendation for Hank Levy and Hank Levy's um, albums because obviously oh, yeah. he's the, the composer of, of the original. So the chart Whiplash performed in the film. Yep. Um, type referred to the jazz players as time chart. Uh, so that's a piece of unconventional time signature in the case of 14.8. What a weird time signature that is to yeah. use. Um, but actually, I, I, I strongly recommend anyone who has Spotify or Apple Music to go on to. Um, Hank Levy has a really great album um, re-recorded in 2007 called the U.S. Army Field Band, uh, which you have the original version of Whiplash and some really great songs. A personal favorite of mine is A Peek Into a New Time Zone. Um, so if, you, if you're a fan of music of Whiplash, I, which I am, I, I think it was last year, two years ago, I went on this huge spree of finding other similar jazz nice. musicians. And it's, it's, a, it's an incredible world to delve into, especially yeah, when I was very rich. doing my master's. It's very rich, but it's also, it, it, it's good because it's, it's, it's kind of, it keeps your brain ticking over. You know, listen to the fast pace of the unconventional time. when you're thinking and you're working. It's great music to work to. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned these intense, very unusual time signatures. Yes. And Quiplash and Caravan actually feature some very, very interesting alternating time signatures. And one of the mm. things I noticed when I was watching it is J.K. Simmons is conducting it perfectly. And I thought, oh, is he really? You were coached very well on that, and you picked it up, really? and you understand why. Because there's a very, you know, you you, you beat the beats. And it's very easy to beat four. Anybody can beat four and get away with that. But what's, but when you suddenly put in a three eight and you've got to really time it, where you like have these elongated crests in your movement, and he was absolutely nailing it. And I was looking at him and going, I could follow that. I could yeah, follow really? that conducting, no problem. And let me tell you, there are some student conductors that I have worked with at conservatoire level who i'm like nah i couldn't follow that ah interesting <laughs> so really I genuinely honestly i was so very very impressed by that uh, i did Amazing. yeah i did notice a, a little bit of a whoopsie in in the movie though because in the nassau band which is the first kind of like junior band that you see there's mm. music open on the on the drum music stand and the mm -hmm. back one is Caravan, which okay. is a chart that J.K. Simmons doesn't give out until like halfway through the movie. And I just saw that and I go, that's a big plot point. Why is, why is Caravan there? They don't play that until much later in the movie and it's a different band. This is absolutely no oh. relevance into like uh, talking about the music. So it, was just a, it was just a little... The funny thing, about, I, the funny thing about bloopers that you scene. don't read a film... The funny thing that you the, about bloopers in movies that you don't read that you kind of see organically is you want to tell everyone. I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, no, fair. I do want to. I do want to mention that. I do want to mention that. But Excellent. yeah, I mean, honestly, fan fantastic. I could listen to this soundtrack forever. It's just so exciting oh, so and yeah. captivating, and yeah, just brilliant. There was one, there was, I read a creepy fact about the making of this movie, the production of this movie, actually. And that was that Damien Chazelle, it was in like haunted. the 10th day, the 10th day of there filming, or the ninth, the ninth or 10th day of filming, he got into a serious car accident and flipped the car. 
You and did. Tell me I that, just yeah. I was tell me that, that's yeah. not creepy because that happens in the movie. Like Neiman, that is yeah. Andrew Neiman yeah exactly does exactly exactly that in an effort to get yeah. to his gig on time. And I just I read that and I yeah. thought, oh okay, oh, that's uh, that's, that's weird. spooky. Yeah, that's weird. So yeah, the one the there. one last little bit of. The one last little bit of um, fact that I'll give you trivia before I let you wrap us up is yeah. there was a it was nearly went to um, another actor very similar in my opinion to Miles Teller from the kind of era Miles Teller which was Dean DeHaan I know you're a big fan of Dean DeHaan, Dean DeHaan. nice uh, it, Dane DeHaan sorry not Dean DeHaan Dane DeHaan yeah it nearly went to him and it's interesting because Miles Teller and Dane DeHaan are kind of they were both kind of quite on the cusp of being household names in that yeah. 2014 year, weren't they? Because yeah. of obviously Spider-Mans and, and uh, Fantastic Four Fours. Exactly, Fantastic Four Stick. It, it's interesting, those two guys. I, bet, I wonder what those two guys are like. I, I get the impression that neither of them are particularly... Especially Dane DeHaan. I can't imagine he's a nice bloke. Sure he I, is, I, but I can't I mean, imagine. He just I'm going like nice to call you out and say you have nothing to base that on. He's like bit, nothing he's real to base that on. He's a bit smarmy. I think even Miles Teller, I get the impression that the two of them, they're, pro they're probably, well, probably I think they've been cast enough, like that. I think a lot of Miles Teller's characters, especially in this movie, are arrogant, conceited, yeah. and you were like, just, oh, yeah. you'd be a dick to know in real life. And I think he's kind of been typecast like that. Yeah. Do you think that's maybe why reason they're not household names, the two of them? I think it's because both of their forays into big Hollywood blockbuster superhero movies were flops. You know, Dane DeHaan, because yeah. I think Dane DeHaan was good in Amazing Spider-Man 2. I just don't think Amazing Spider-Man yeah. 2 was very good. And similarly, Miles yeah. Teller probably did a fine job for Fant Forstick, but that was not a good yeah, movie. Yeah, but you say either. that, but Michael B. Jordan, he got a second bite of the app. We're on Fant Forstick now, aren't we? Yeah. So. No, yeah, Michael B. Anyway. Michael B. Jordan did, but Michael B. Jordan, I think, had a bit more cred, as it were. Yeah, that's fair. Before that's that, fair. so or or should you say Creed? Oh, Haley! <laughs> oh, he's only gone and done it. He's only gone and done it. But yeah, um, two thumbs up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Two thumbs no. up, easy yeah, two yeah. thumbs it's up. I mean, th th this movie. Do you know this is this movie falls into the very niche area of category of films where. I, like, I don't watch films with my parents much. I don't watch films with my parents that much at all. We, we did it recently when I was up recently. And it, was, it was really nice being able to bring a film. We watched uh, Impossible, which my mum loved. But this is falls into that category of films that I would like to sit down with my folks and watch. I did that. It was one of the most intense family viewing experiences I've, yeah, ever, family, yeah. I've ever, ever seen. To the extent that I think maybe dad and one of my sister i can't remember which one it was said they never want to see that again it was really? just too traumatic and your mum, as a music teacher what did she well think she's of that a, well i well did yeah she, she's a music know, educator sort of she's stuff. an educator she of music to and, us quite a lot didn't and she? she oh yeah she was an absolute she, she was worse <laughs> she was worse <laughs> three, three stuff of us she was worse. I've, was I've still got a scar. I've got a scar on my floor. <laughs> Never mind a plastic chair. I had like an open stapler thrown at my skull. <laughs> that travels, let me tell you. No, she uh, loved the movie and again, really kind of 
it really hit home like the psychological aspect of it and it is very very relatable to music students like honestly again it is ramped up to 11 it is completely unrealistic this does not happen in real life anymore i will what i will say is anymore i have absolutely zero doubt that if you wind the clock back 20 30 years completely different i've had violin teachers you know i'm not going to say who they are but tell me that they would they would throw up before viol- before lessons and like shit themselves after lessons like regularly <laughs> like regularly and you know they're not being hyperbolic at all like it is intense and it's stressful and a lot of people give up and wash mm. out because they're just like i don't I don't love it this much to put up with this. I can mm, enjoy mm. music without putting up with this. Like I'm not, I'm not mm. just not going to do it anymore. So the movie does a great job in putting that across, and that's kind of why I love it so much. Fantastic. So yeah, two thumbs up. Moving forward? Yeah, let's move forward. Uh, now, this is moving forward video game. Uh, or, or, or uh, yeah, video games is probably the right word for this. Yeah. I just, just, I said I would sneak it in there. Thoroughly loving Jurassic Park, the game that I got last Nobody week. Nobody cares. Things are going well. Oh. Nobody cares. <laughs> Velociraptors have been killing a lot of park guests. That's uh, all well, well they, they, they do that. Nah, nobody, nobody cares. Though. Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about two video games that have kind of either been released this week or have released trailers this week. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the one I'm bringing is uh, Star Wars Squadrons, which actually you initially put in front of me. Um, I've had a chance to have some thoughts about it. Yeah, and yeah it looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. I think it looks fantastic. Yeah. It, looks yeah, it looks good, yeah. It has one thing, or it doesn't have one thing that I wish it did have, and that was that's third person view for the simple reason that if i'm flying an x-wing i'd quite like to see it yourself yeah yeah you're the sort of guy that checks yourself in the mirror quite you know 20 times a day aren't you yeah absolutely i've got you want to see it i've I've got a big tv in my room that's set up just so Mm -hmm. i can look at myself in the blackness that was weird mirror lovely yeah that was weird yeah oh that was so you're looking at yourself yeah i know but yeah, but, no. Am I? Am I like? Do you think it's unreasonable to want a third person? View? I just, I just want to fly. So, so what I kept thinking about throughout this is let's. So one thing that they missed, and forgive me if I'm wrong. So obviously we had the Battlefront games, and they introduced space battles, which had your third person yeah. view. They they were great. I like the space battles. They were kind of done quite well. Do you mean in the we, old Battlefront games or the new? The old Battlefront. Battlefront. Oh, okay. The old Battlefront games, but the new Battlefront games were also done. Meh. They were they were pretty good. I think. No, they were really um, good. Or I, I, a bit more cinematic. I'm, I'm more inclined to enjoy starfighter assault in star wars in the new star wars battlefront 2 because sure i'm really good at it <laughs> no <laughs> nice. I, I can't stress this enough no, don't say anymore no, no, no. don't say anymore i you can't that. That no no i can't stress it enough i am so good at starfighter assault it's frightening 
<laughs> that made me laugh. That caught me off guard. Yeah. Um, no, no, but so one thing that I always thought was obviously in Battlefront original, you could be play as a play as a hero on the battlefield, so you could yeah. play with a lightsaber. Or you play, but what I also think they missed a trick was if you could have flown as a hero, you could have flown as an iconic ship, like you could have flown as a Millennium Falcon or yeah. something. And I don't think they ever included that. And again, to this, wouldn't it be great if you could fly the Millennium Falcon? But then I had the even greater thought. If it's first person and you're flying the Millennium Falcon, that's going to be weird. Because if you look at the Millennium Falcon, the cockpit is not central. It's not central at all, is it? So how is that going to work if you're flying the Millennium Falcon in first person? Now, there's a bit of... There's a bit of like a fourth wall breaking kind of meta thing they could go down that route because if you notice what in the movies whenever anyone's flying the millennium falcon they're 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 charging at something as if the center of their cockpit view is the center of the ship i swear to god yes i swear i swear they do it so they could include a thing that like when you switch to first person mode what you're seeing is actually the center of the ship and mm. you can just go about your merry way, no problems whatsoever. Mm. So that 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 could be quite fun. That could be quite fun. But no, but I think it'd be a bit unfair there because Star Wars Battlefront Two, you can fly as the Millennium Falcon, and you can fly as Luke's X-wing and Yoda's Jedi Starfighter, and oh, I didn't know. Okay, Slave One, which is so satisfying because the best part of Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, which I do apologize, has come up a few too many times in this episode for a movie that's not even <laughs> featured featured on the episode. One of the best moments in that movie is when Obi-Wan and Jango Fett are having their little dogfight in the asteroid belt. Do you know that bit? Mm, I like that. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you remember the seismic charge? Yes, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the, the blackout sound and then the So it's a backward ejected like, like bomb that explodes mm -hmm. silently in this you know blue sphere and then it expands in a disc and when it expands in a disc destroying everything it's got this most satisfying sound ever it's like yeah and it's yeah and yeah, it's amazing yeah. and they incorporated that into star wars battlefront so you're like you're going about you're going back and it's like a it's like a power-up that's timed, so it takes time to recharge. So you're, like, trying to stay alive. You're trying to stay alive until it comes back, and then you release it, and you're like, bombs away, and then you just get silence across the map, and every single player on the map gets the silence as well, and then every single mm. player can hear the... And it's the most satisfying thing in the world. Honestly, I can't write... Just hop on and try and get Slave 1 and do it, because it's so much fun. <laughs> nice well i'm really looking forward to i'm really looking forward to star wars squadrons uh so that's what i'm bringing to moving forward this yeah. week what are you bringing to moving forward because you've got a game to bring don't yeah, you yeah so naughty dog the studio has released the last of us 2 and there are some now, before, mixed sorry, reviews before we, on this. Further, we, we brought we brought each other's games because actually I should have brought Last of Us because I've played Last of Us quite a lot. Yeah, I've not played, played any. A lot I've more not than Star Wars. I've not. I've yeah, no, right. I've not played The Last of Us, and I've certainly not played Last of Us Two mainly because I don't own a PS4. I'm yeah. an Xbox boy, I'm afraid. But Last of Us is genuinely, genuinely considered 
to be one of the best storytelling games ever. And Naughty Dog are probably one of the best storytelling game studios out there. I know it's, I've I've played I have played the Uncharted series, and if there any you know if, it, if there's anything to the quality of that, then it's going to be pretty bloody good. Yeah. Now, what has happened with The Last of Us Two is that something has happened in the story that the fans don't like. Okay. So spoilers, but I'm going to guess because I don't know what you're going to get at here, but I think I've got a good idea. So I've not played the new one. As I said, I don't have a PlayStation 4. I do have a PlayStation 3 and I did play the first game and it was amazing. Like yeah. I do think it's probably one of my most favorite games I've ever played. Yeah. Um. Now, I've not, as I said, not had a chance to play the new one. I genuinely am considering buying a PlayStation 4 just to play that and the Spider-Man game, which yeah. I also missed out on. But I think I know what the fans don't like. And I think it's because um, Ellie, who is the young girl in the first game, yeah. uh, it, she's she's gay in this next one. She's she's revealed as a gay character. I, I've got no idea. I've never heard. Game. I've, ne- I've not that heard what that. The fans are. No, that's not it. That, that's not... Oh, okay. that might be I part thought, of I it. I thought there was a. No, it's because. Do you want me to spoil this? Am I going to spoil this? Well, I'm happy. No, well, okay. please do. But so there's another do, there's another female character. I'm really happy that the fans are not annoyed at that. Yeah, no, I don't think it's that. I mean, they might be annoyed at that. Who knows? But there's another female character, and I can't remember what her name is, but she's like a minor character, I think. Can you remember her name? There's Ellie, and then there's someone else. Uh, yes, I know. She's at the start. She, she she's like a she's like an adult in the first one. I'm not well. I'm not sure because I've not played it. But anyway, there's this other female character that's not playable in the first game, but very early in the second game, this female character murders Joel, and you oh. have to play as this character, and you have to murder Joel. Now, I don't have an emotional connection to Joel, but obviously fans of the game do. And fans took great exception to having to play as a character as a character that they don't care about and being forced to kill a character that they do care about. And that is where this is coming from. Interesting. It okay, is so interesting. Totally different to where I was coming for that. Totally yes. Different. So yeah. So 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 for context, of that I mean, Joel is the playable character in the first game for almost most. I think ninety percent of the game. There's a there's a couple of Ellie missions. Yeah. Um. But Joel is great. Really, really good. And I did wonder, obviously, from the trailers and the the footage and stuff of this game, what happened to Joel. But that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I like. I mean, I personally like that. I like. I mean, well, obviously there'll be reasons behind it. Yes, but there it's, are I like reasons. Good storytelling. Point... Give me a good reason. Well, exactly. But the problem is, Last of Us came out how long ago? Yeah, it must have been about 2013, 2012. Oh God, I've I've already got it wrong so far. Let me. You keep talking. You know, I'll find be- that you know. The, let's just say the better part of a decade, right? With an expectation that a second game would come out, right? Fans have an attachment to a character and they have an idea in their heads as to what that character would or would not do and where he or she would or would not go. Now, does that remind you of anything else that has happened in the last few years or so? Hashtag yeah, not. Has, the, hashtag uh, the can, not. The cancel culture of... Well, uh, hashtag not my look. 
I, I just think there's no place for it. And I and I'm just never gonna change I'm never gonna change my stance on that. <laughs> and that's you just, just that's don't just get it. it, man. You just don't get it. You're just not deep enough to understand. That's the problem. Yeah, I'm the shallow one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think that's enough. I think that's, I what think do they that's have got to do next? Oh, do? who knows? Same as last week. No. <laughs> now, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind, have a little gander onto Apple Podcasts. Find us on there. Give us a five star review. Honestly, you can do all of this right in there, and you can write us a review. You can tell us what movies you like, what movies you don't like, what scores you like, what scores you don't like. Say, Alex, you're an idiot, or. Callum, stop bullying Alex. I don't know, something like that. I don't know. You can do the same as Spotify. Mm-hmm. But, you know, do what you want. There's an email as well. Um, well as well. What's the email? Yeah, you can get get us on the email at motionspod at gmail.com uh, where you can drop a review. And again, yeah, we thoroughly encourage you to drop, drop, drop a review uh, into the uh, Apple Podcasting app, just like I've got one here from Five for One Two Three, saying great podcast, great topic of conversations, uh, and really, really love uh, moving forward segment. So that's that's some some nice piece that's going oh, in great. there. Um, so yeah, so, so so nice feedback. And obviously, if you have some emails, I've got. Uh, so next week we are looking to do the final marvel aren't we yes uh, and then after that i've got a fan i've got a fan request uh which i'll give a shout out to that's that's given to me and i think you are you got one that you want to bring or have you there's a f- couple of fan requests that have gone through for you as well i think you're interested in doing yeah that. i'm gonna have to gonna have to sift through and uh prioritize i think find yeah find one that find the one that aligns because we've kind of stopped the whole from last week moving forward to this week haven't we but <laughs> I, I don't think that back. lasted nearly as long as maybe did we think it did <laughs> exactly well, i'm sure there's a tenuous link from everything what's the tenuous link between um what film did i bloody well do last week God, forrest it's getting, gump it's getting monotonous forrest gump to what film did i do this week <laughs> <laughs> forrest gump to hook forrest gump to hook uh there's got to be a link there somewhere. Um, feathers uh, fly. Feathers. Like oh, Peter there's a good one. Pan. Yeah, nice feathers. See, I was going a bit more crude in the how the whole thing of like the young, the young, young girl being kidnapped. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is no. the most uncommitted no, yet no, no. you've ever given. <laughs> Robert, Robin Wright. Robin Wright took LSD in the sixties, and she dreamt of Nev- Neverland. Turned into, Robin Williams. turned into Robin Williams. <laughs> the, the real growth. She she grew up eventually. Yeah. Nice. Fabulous. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Sorry, that was rambling at the end. <laughs> it's what they tune Excellent. in for me. You going? You going online now? We playing? We playing? Yeah. Let, now, let, 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 let's play some Xbox. <laughs> let's press pause here. We're playing Xbox. Okay. So I'll, I'll meet you. I'll meet you online in ten minutes. But until, <laughs> but listeners, thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you again next week. All right. Bye. Thanks, guys. Ta ta.